everyone. How's it going? Welcome to the Know Your Gear podcast, QA Live, episode 266. Hope you guys had a great week. I'm sure no matter where you are, it's probably warm outside. So uh, it's warm here. <laughs> so it's that time of year already. It didn't take long, did it? Okay. So let's see. I'm sure we're going to talk about guitar stuff. Um, I have a couple subjects maybe to talk about today, and uh, and uh, I'm sure you guys have a uh, a couple things. Susan says Revstar sighting. Yeah, it's right behind me, right there. Yep. Today's uh, episode for those that can watch it, those that watch it, uh, there's an Easter egg in this episode. As there sometimes is. Sometimes, obviously, you guys know I've done this for a long time where I put a guitar or something in the background that I'm going to review or it's about to come out on a review or something like that. And there's something like that today. So uh, have at it and enjoy. For those listening, don't worry about it. Um, okay. So as we always do, we have early risers that come before the show starts and leave some questions. If you guys don't mind, I was running a little behind today. Because I had to, uh, my hair, get my hair all done. <laughs> it's a great investment. And um, anyways, I need one additional thing, some one screen that I don't have up. And I have it up now. There you go. Okay. So before I start, I wanted that up. Okay. Let's do, <laughs> Nathan just says, how's it going, bud? It's going good, Nathan. Stop sending me money. <laughs> Uh, just just text me nathan just text me i'll I'll read it if you text me uh uh the uh let's uh let's save some money when we can it's an expensive time right now in the world um but i appreciate nathan man i appreciate it i hope to see you soon uh and thank you again for doing the instagram takeover for the nam show uh he did a fantastic job i think we talked about briefly last week but just again he just did a fantastic job and uh better than i would have ever done for sure <laughs> so uh so it was not only great because i wasn't there but it was great even if i was there it was better than what i would have done for sure okay let's talk about some of the first uh early riser questions and uh there's a question that i just want to get out of the way because it keeps coming up it's come up about every week for the last few weeks and there's a reason why i'm not talking about it and i'll explain why i'm not talking about it and it's the Dean Gibson lawsuit. And the question keeps being asked, uh, you know, basically, what is my take on the Dean Gibson lawsuit? So for those of you who uh, have stuff to do all week, <laughs> I don't know, that's none of you because you're all hanging with me right now. So we know what you're, uh, you know, we know what you're like. You're like me. Anyways, so as we know, uh, uh, Gibson sues Dean in about in 2019. They sue them. Uh, because, uh, to restrict them from using the V, I think the Explorer, uh, the use of the name Hummingbird and a few other, uh, you know, tidbits here and there. Okay. This lawsuit obviously goes on for a while. It's in Texas. And, uh, a couple weeks ago it was announced that Gibson kind of won. Okay. And that's not, that's not the important part. Uh, so basically what happened was the, uh, the they sided essentially in Gibson's favor and awarded Gibson four thousand dollars. And the main reason for that, there's a term. If you guys have ever 
been unfortunate, <laughs> unless you're an attorney, I guess it's your job, it's fine. But the rest of us, if you've ever been unfortunately in a lawsuit of any kind, I have, uh, where we you know sued somebody and won, and it take took seven years or something like that. I don't, I don't remember, maybe it was five years, but it takes a long time, and it's a very long, tedious, horrible process for both, for everybody, anybody involved. And um, anyways, in their case, one of the things that factored in, there's a term that I can't remember. And how I always remember it is it's like uh, a latch. Uh, I think it's, uh, I'm going to Google it. I apologize, everybody. I apologize, but I just want to tell you the term. Okay. Okay. All right. The term is called uh latches <laughs> l a c h e s i knew it I, I and again i'm not an attorney please don't hold me to any of this i'm just giving you uh really my best educated guesses at this so what latches says is according to this definition which is what i remember is it's unreasonable delay in making an assertion or claim such as uh such as asserting a right claiming a privilege or making an application uh for a redress which may result in refusal. I don't care about that. Here's all you got to know. They basically said, yeah, Gibson, you win, but you took a long time. And that's what it's called, latches. Um, because cause Gibson took like 40 years to finally sue Dean. Now, here's why I said I don't want to talk about this. It's in my, because my opinion is this isn't, this isn't over. Um, Obviously, Gibson got $4,000, and sure, uh, they won, but they got $4,000, which is not going to be probably what they were after. They were after $7 million, so I don't think they're happy with that. Dean isn't going to be happy with this uh, this uh, this ju- uh, judgment because even though $4,000 probably isn't a lot for a company to have to pay out when they're being sued for $7 million, they also can't use those designs anymore, and that's inherently going to be a problem for them. So why uh, is it uh, stupid? Here's why it's stupid. Uh, everybody's like, well, did Gibson really win? Did Din really win? Nobody is going, I, there's no way I believe they haven't both already <laughs> basically, um, uh, basically filed to continue for, to basically, uh, what do you call it? You, um, oh man, I'm having a moment here. Hold on a second, guys. They're basically not happy with the judgment. So they're going to, uh, basically fight it. I would imagine that both parties are already fighting it. So I would be super, super shocked if both Dean and Gibson haven't already filed to basically fight the, uh, the, the verdict because um, neither one of them will probably be happy with it. So to my answer to this, what do I think about the ju- that, that judgment, the win? I think they're both fighting it, and I'm sure it will continue on for a little while longer. Uh, or thank you, Christopher, for the word appeal. <laughs> yes, they are appealing it. I, both parties, though, I believe are appealing it. Again, I'm not an attorney. So, um, uh, but uh, that's my take on it. So they'll probably appeal it. What does it really uh, go now on the side note? That's what I didn't want to talk about, because, again, there's nothing to talk about. It doesn't it sounds like, you know, some people are going to sensationalize the uh, taglines of like Gibson won. And Dean lost, or did Dean really lose? And again, there's nothing wrong with that. We all have to clickbait on these forums uh, and these uh, these, uh, platforms. However, um, I just don't think it's over, and I don't think this is even close to the end of it. And, um, you know, and, you know, I really kind of agree with the maybe Dean should work on new guitars, and maybe Gibson should 
not sue everybody. <laughs> That's kind of what I'd like to see happen in the future. I, I don't understand both those. I don't understand both those situations, those attitudes. What do you guys have to say about it? Um, <laughs> Sean says Dean Guitar sucks, so Gibson wasted their money to take them to court. Uh, yeah, I don't think, and I, we talked about this a long time ago, I really don't think this has ever been about Dean Guitars. There's a lot of theories out there, and and uh, there are a lot of good theories out there, why Gibson sued Dean particularly you know, about this. And a lot of belief is that, you know, if you don't know, the, the owner of Dean passed away and his son took over. And it was, like, interesting that it happens right after that. And the the original owner or the owner of Dean was not the original owner, but the owner of Dean was well-liked in the industry and well-respected as someone who was aggressive, aggressive, meaning, you know, he didn't take no crap from people. And so there was a theory that I heard early on that Gibson kind of saw the opportunity as like, okay, it's new blood in the company, which is the sun. Let's see what happens. And also Dean was the perfect size to go after. And the idea that they're a big enough company to where if you win this, you you know you have a good precedent on a big company, uh, but they're small enough to where you they can't put up the big fight. For instance, and again, the varying opinions out there, but I cannot. And again, I'm not an attorney, so maybe there's an attorney out there. Maybe I should ask a couple of attorneys I know to ex- explain it to me um, because they don't understand why in any world Gibson would then pick on Dean. I don't want to say pick on, but it, let's say pick on, <laughs> pick on Dean for the V. When Jackson clearly makes a V, that is to me more like when you think V's, you think Gibson Jackson. Who's more V than Gibson Jackson? Nobody, right? That's the two V's out there, right? That's your Ford and Chevy trucks. That's right. That's your two. That's your two competitors. If you're looking at a Gibson V, then the next V is the Jackson V. And I would bet you, and, and some people are going to have different opinions about what they like. I'm not talking about what I like. This isn't like I like those two Vs, and that's why I'm saying that. I'm just talking about sheer volumes of guitars sold. There can't be a higher guitar sold. First of all, Ibanez really never made any Vs. They got they got a cease and desist on a V once, and they stopped. And Schechter kind of made a couple of Vs, and of course, Kiesel. Everybody makes a couple of Vs. But they don't make a lot of them. Jackson definitely makes the most Vs. So the fact that Gibson, in my opinion, Gibson doesn't go after Fender is somewhat telling. (laughs) Because that's a billion-dollar-esque company, punching on a billion-dollar-esque company. I I would imagine they would... um, So I think that was... I believe the rumor that it was strategic to go after Dean and the idea that they were a good size to go after. And it was good timing to go after them for what they were trying to do. Um, so that was the, the, (laughs) Nathan says, as a Jackson employee, I'm feeling a little attacked right now. Well, it's not that you should be attacked, Nathan. I know you're going for the joke, but, but I think you understand what I'm talking about, uh, Nathan, you know, that Jackson is like, it's Winners of Ease. It's definitely Gibson and Jackson. So, and maybe that's, and I think that was the plan, by the way, you win Dean, you know, they went after Framus, which is the weirdest thing ever, but they lost that lawsuit. (laughs) That's because they underestimated how crazy the guys at Framus were to fight them and win. Uh, I think they didn't think they'd fight at all, that they would give in. And, uh, and, uh, and, uh, sorry, I'm just reading some of the comments. I'm trying to stay focused. And, um, 
<laughs> what I'm trying to say, see, I got sidetracked reading the comments. I apologize. What I'm trying to say is, is that basically I think if they win Dean and they win a couple smaller builders, mid-sized builders, then they may have the weight or whatever they need or whatever uh, precedent or whatever legal-ass crap they need to then to go after Fender Jackson and see how that goes. I don't know. I don't, I don't know. So, so I'm always torn and conflicted on these uh, type of subjects on the channel. I have a strong belief that people should, who have ideas, should be able to be protected. I also have a strong feeling that, you know, like I said, the best one wins and that it should be an open market as much as it can be. And sometimes I find some of this stuff just beyond silly. <laughs> um, so, all right. Um, I'm just want to, I'm just reading some of the guys to <laughs> see if you guys have uh somebody said legal ass crap <laughs> i'm just seeing if you guys have any opinions could dean and invoked the verdict from europe and their appeal i don't know again i'm not an attorney i don't know how that works i just know where the mistake was in europe um <laughs> when they sued when they sued Framus. Um, if you guys don't know, some of you guys are you know all around the world. For those in the U.S., you may not know this, but in Europe, how it works a little different than in the U.S. When you sue somebody in Europe, um, there's a lot of stuff that I think has to happen. First, I guess I, I, you have to put whatever you're suing them for, you have to put up like some kind of amount up uh, as, as like some kind of bond. I could be totally inaccurate in the terminology and what I'm saying, but that's generally the gist of what you have to do. But more importantly, what happens <laughs> in Europe, especially in Germany specifically, because that's what we're talking about. Uh, when you sue somebody um, and you lose, you have to pay their legal fees. That's not how it works in the U.S. In the U.S., you can use a big company can punch on a smaller company just and lose, right? So basically, you could just sue a company and pound on them and pound on them with a lawsuit and win, and they could win, but financially be devastated from fighting you. That could happen in the U.S. So where I think uh, Gibson wasn't prepared uh, for Framus <laughs> um, was when they sued Framus. Framus was like, well, well, then we'll fight because when we win, we'll get our money back from fighting you. And they won and they got their money back. And uh, <laughs> so that's why they fought so hard and won. So I happen to know that because I happen to know the – a lot of the parties involved in that one. So that was kind of the reasoning they explained it to me. They were like, well, we fought because if we won, we got, you know, they had to pay for us to win. You know, and Chris said ESP does great V's. Again, I'm not talking about the best V's. I'm not talking about your, our favorite V's. I'm talking about volume. Like who would, who do you think makes more V's than Gibson and Jackson? I mean, I don't think there's any question that those are the two they, both those companies make a lot of Vs. Who makes as many as many Vs as you think as Jackson and 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 Gibson? It's got to be maybe Dean and ESP and stuff, but I just can't imagine that they up there with with Jackson. Jackson Vs are crazy. I mean, I've seen. Think about this, because I'm and when I say Gibson, I mean Epiphone too. I've seen physically more Jackson Vs in my life than ever any other Vs. So. All right. Maybe this is... Are we done now? Who invented the V-shape? That's what the suit... suit. That's what the suit is about. So, um, 
I don't think that's what the suit was about. Not what I read, but you could be right. We, I mean, I, that's not what I read. I read the the suit, and it was really about a usage, uh, not so much a arguing who invented it. But, anyways, okay. Let's uh, let's go on to a non <laughs> more guitar related question. This one is an interesting one uh, that I grabbed first. It, it was uh, from Pops custom with a k like the amp company he says phil why are 500k pots a feature and a selling point um i've never heard that before that's why i thought i would answer the question i thought it was an interesting question i've never heard a 500k potentiometer referenced as a selling point to a guitar usually it's just like you know humbuckers have 500k potentiometers uh single coils will have 250k and then of course like active pickups will have 25k and then some guitars have one meg um, and there's reasons why you would use those or inter- interchange them even. Um, I've never, and, and I could be wrong, but I've never really heard anyone feature like, oh, it has a 500k potentiometer. I've only heard or seen where like the Wolfgang um, guitar references that it has a 250k in the, t- in the tone pot as a as a feature i don't know uh, if you guys know that but the wolfgang guitars have a 500k potentiometer in the volume and a 250k in the tone control and that was because something that eddie had requested or you know he experimented with and he liked it and i have and i've said this before i i mean i follow the rules because they're the kind of the rules right you do 500ks for humbuckers 250ks for single coils um but over the years i've seen so many variants of that and I don't know if I've ever heard a difference. I don't think the average player can really hear a difference. Let me put it this way. I can make a video where I take a guitar. Well, I have a guitar, as you know, that lets me switch between 250K and 500s. And for the sake of the video, I have said in those videos, like, oh, now it's going through, you know, the single coils are going 250K, the humbucks are going 500K. But I know for a fact (laughs) that when I beat them, you couldn't hear it in the video. Um, It was so... I don't even know if it was really noticeable without the video in the room. So just by the time it gets recorded and then processed and compressed and sent out to you guys, there just wasn't enough uh, to, to really sink your teeth in. It's, it's always interesting what you can tell and not tell, period, but much less in, a, in the video afterwards. But I, I don't know. I don't know. Um, the rule I usually fo- follow is, like, I usually just follow the rules, put 500Ks in the humbuckers and the 250s. But... Um, you know, I, I will mix it up sometimes. Especially when <laughs> something is a side note. This is where, again, you want to watch how crazy into things you get because sometimes, you know, you're not ready for the outcome of the how nuts it's going to get. If you really want to make yourself crazy, um, before you even argue 500K versus 250K, um, test all of your potentiometers. And watch how wacky that is. Um, well, first of all, 500Ks aren't usually 500. They're like 440 to 480 is usually what they'll come up on the meter. And they'll be 350 sometimes. I mean, they can be all over the place because of components, because of quality, because of just everything. So like I said, sometimes even then it gets a little crazy. <laughs> Same with 250Ks. They're, they're, uh, so it's one of those things where if you swear by it, like, oh, this is all I like. It's not even, they're not even that consistent. We'll be right back. You still loading them and heating them up with all your single shit you've been dropping. You feel me? Loading them up on. It it only takes structure. 
and, and you know, just paying attention to the climate of the game. Yeah. Know what I mean? So do do your homies uh got a role in your in your little you know I mean? Yeah, yeah. We all we all artists over here, man. I'm trying to oh, yeah, I'm trying yeah. I'm trying, oh, I'm, trying yeah. I'm trying to get them on there. Yeah. We all artists, man. We go you feel me? We gonna have this like Bro, me and my man, like me and my man Kyle, we be like, I don't know, we play, we play with this <laughs> shit right now. I got lie, we play with this shit right now for for. Oh, I don't, play, don't play with it. No. Take that shit serious. Okay, I'm just looking at your guys' comments and questions. Let's see. And then uh, Deja Voodoo says, "Is it? Hey, I th- I don't know if the question's to me, but I want to kind of jump in on what he's talking about. He's talking about low friction potentiometers, and he's t- I think he's talking about something else. But I just want to say, like, that's what I hear when I hear about people talking about the quality of a potentiometer. It's not, it's not the resistance, it's not five hundred k, or it's not two fifty k. It's more about what branding or style it is, whether it's linear or it's tapered, or if it's a CTS, or if it's a Burns, or if it's." Uh, uh, low friction, which is, you know, uh, or the Seymour Duncan low frictions that they made for Ingve Malmsteen, which I don't know if they make them. They might just repackage somebody else's thing. Um, sometimes that's a reference of what I see. The funny thing about it is I, I started talking about it more in my videos, if you noticed, uh, in the last few months about potentiometers, because I kept seeing reference of them uh, by you guys in weird ways that I didn't understand. And what I mean by that, I probably should clarify. What I mean by that was, as someone who works on the guitars all the time for years, um, there's just things that you get used to fixing and things you get used to not worrying about. Uh, you're like, that's not going to matter in the grand scheme of things. So you just kind of pass over it. And then uh, all of a sudden, it's just like anything. Somebody gets a tagline or a kind of a, a, an idea, and then they present it to you, and you're like, yeah, but it doesn't matter. <laughs> And they're like, no, it does matter. And you're like, no, I, I've been through a thousand guitars and no one can tell. So that's basically what I'm what I'm saying with that. Sometimes when uh, like alpha pots were a big thing where everybody's like, oh, the alpha pots are cheap. And I'm like, yeah, but they're not bad. And you can't really tell the difference. The a lot of potentiometer quality is potentiometers are not always about how they sound. It's about how long they last. That's a big part of this. A lot of guitar players, though, are not as abusive. And so it's not really a big deal. So, uh, for instance, guitar players like Eddie Van Halen have been quoted to basically saying they wore them out. But, like, <laughs> I've seen more potentiometers damaged because they're dirty than I've seen worn out. In fact, I would, I would gladly speculate, just going off the memory here, I'm 20 to 1. For every one potentiometer I've ever seen, oh, I'm going to say 200 to 1. For every one potentiometer I've ever seen that somebody wore out, I've seen 200 go bad or have problems because they're dirty from non-use. So non-use is definitely the issue uh, in the idea that... So the idea that when people worry about like the quality of them so they don't wear out, it's just not a thing that comes up very often. Because again, most guitar players are set it, forget it. Just most guitar players just roll the volume and the tone knob full blast, call that a day, and the only time it moves is when they turn it off. Susan says, as long as they don't have gobs of solder on them. Yeah, well, that's, that's, uh, <laughs> that you see a lot. Everybody who gets their first, this what's great about guitars. Like I would highly recommend anybody to start working on electronics on a guitar because there's pretty much no, 
no, well, there's no safety concerns. You're not going to, other than burn yourself with a soldering iron, you don't have to worry about doing anything crazy. And it's pretty, it's pretty basic. It's a basic system, so it works really good. Um, I've, I've often said this. I said this once before. Uh, soldering irons are dangerous, but when I say dangerous is there's not a likely, unless you're really, really just obnoxiously not paying attention, uh, the only fear you should have a soldering iron is you will burn yourself, of course, but if you burn yourself, it's not like you should go call 911 and go to the hospital. I mean, it's going to be a burn that needs, like, you know, some kind of ointment on it, and you need to behave, but I, I mean, soldering iron is not something that's extremely dangerous, life, you know, life dangerous. It's more of like, a, oh, it's going to really suck if you, if, you, if you catch yourself with one, um, which is why I recommend is a tool to use to try and experiment with learning to do repairs and stuff because it's, I, I don't know. I, I don't want to, I don't want to be too cavalier about this, but I could actually argue in my, I would argue that a soldering iron in a lot of ways are definitely a lot less dangerous than let's say a drill press or an electric saw. That's just my opinion. Of course, you know, everybody's going to have varying opinions and you should check those opinions, but that's just mine. Landon wants to know if I use deoxid on my pots. I had a comment on one of my videos saying never use D5 on pots, use F5. You know, it's funny. I get that all the time too. It's like, use the fader one, use this. It, they're all fine. You know what, Landon? Uh, there are <laughs> most, mo look, most repair shops that I've seen over the last 20 years are so cheap because guitar techs are good people and people are just cheap by nature. They'll use the cheap auto part uh, electronic cleaner. Use it. It's fine. I mean, I've run out of deoxid and had to run to to the AutoZone or to to the um, Harbor Freight and grab the cheap component cleaner and clean stuff, and it works. It, it works. This uh, if there's an argument out there to be had that there's the F5 is a better quality uh, lubricant uh, and cleaner than the D5. I'm sure I would I, I would not disagree with that at all. But this idea, I landed. Don't feel don't feel. I know not feel bad, but don't feel concerned. I have videos where people will say that too, but yet I put deoxid D5 on thousands, thousands, if not tens of thousands, no exaggeration of guitars, uh, no issues. <laughs> so, so when somebody says it to me, I'm like, yeah, that's great. I, 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 I appreciate your opinion. Thank you for posting it. However, as long as the opinion is weighted in some kind of logic of, Hey man, you should really look at F5. It's a better quality uh, product. I think that's a good uh, good suggestion, and maybe you should look at that. But I've had, like, you land until people go, don't ever use D5. It will ruin components. I'm like, ruin components? Are you kidding? You should see what people shove in components uh, as cleaner. And um, <laughs> let me tell you. And so realistically, um, the average person at their house, they buy a can of deoxid. Uh, I don't know what deoxid's going for now. It's a new world, and I buy a lot of it. Uh, so it's usually a year or two years between purchases a deoxid when I buy it even now and uh, you buy a can it should last you years but uh, if you're working on guitar especially for a living or if you're trying to you know you know make your your rent mortgage or with your life as repairing things you're going to go through a good amount of that stuff and when you go through a good amount of stuff you start looking at uh, cost alternatives so so there you go that's my opinion there you go 
Now, of course, I'll get slammed because that's what happens. Somebody's going to go, oh, man, I'm never listening to you again. F5 is the best or whatever the fade. It's always the fader one, I think, is what everybody. It works great. I'm not complaining about it. In fact, if you have that, I, like, I agree. It's just as good, if not better. I'm not disagreeing with somebody saying it's better. I'm just saying there's nothing wrong with using D5 and potentiometers at all. Tampa Blue said avocados are awful, clean, awful cleaners. You know, you think you're, you think that's a joke. It's not a joke. I would actually prefer if somebody used an avocado. I've seen people use bleach. I've seen people use, uh, well, they definitely use, this is what they use. They shove WD-40 in parts. They shove, <laughs> they squirt uh, Windex, uh, uh, bleach. I mean, cleaning, any kind of cleaning supplies. Vaseline, just, I mean, they, you know, people use stuff and then they use a logic of well it works for this why not try it in that and sometimes it's fine in fact that's why i try to not have such an aggressively strong opinion about things not so because everything's just because i'm trying not to hurt somebody's feelings it's because i've seen so many crazy ideas that didn't have a ramification that it's hard for me to give you a hard opinion to say don't ever do this when i've seen that it really didn't hurt anything um I had, a, I had a customer forever, <laughs> Susan said bleach. Oh, of course. Uh, I had a customer that he just swore by Vaseline, man. <laughs> like he just put, he was like Vaseline fix everything. So he would put it in the nut slots as a lubricant. He would use it to lubricate everything. And uh, I'm not recommending Vaseline. I'm just saying he didn't bring it to me for repair. He just brought it to me to show me all the time. Look, this is what you're doing, you know. You get a lot of that. You'll get, you get, it's always the older guys a little bit. I mean, we're all older to somebody, but you, you guys don't understand what I mean. It's more of the veteran area, uh, veteran level older guys. And they would come in and it's just, they want to tell you how they figured out this thing or they've been using this thing forever and it works. And you're like, okay. And it, and they're not wrong. Like I said, I've seen people come up with some crazy things that, uh, <laughs> somebody says blinker wash soap. I, I don't know if I've seen soap. Isn't that funny? I don't think I've seen soap. Um, Oven cleaner works, but oh, you know, degreaser. I've seen, like I said, because you, you gotta understand, most it's it's going away. It's definitely a thing that goes away. So I wouldn't say it's happened to me in the last ten years, but twenty years ago, you would see there was way more shade 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 tree mechanics are kind of going away, right? Um, for those that I'm sure most of you know that term, you know, uh, someone who works on their car in their front yard, you know, and. It's definitely going away because it's getting almost impossible to work on these cars now. They're becoming like, you know, basically Apple computers <laughs> with an engine shoved in them. Um, but um, but because so many people used to work on their, their, their cars on the regular, they have a lot of things that can fix cars. And I've seen them apply those things to many over the years to gu- guitars. And most of it was great success. <laughs> Uh, you know, I've seen parts JB weld together, just like <laughs> anything else. You're like, I've seen trust run. I saw a trust rod in JB welded on and it was holding, which blew my mind. Cause I was wait, I couldn't believe it. I think that was more of a fluke though. <laughs> so, so, <laughs> Matt says, you mean every yard here in the South? Yeah. Well, I was a shade tree mechanic when I was a kid, my first car, uh, you know, my first car came with 104,000 miles. So 
Like the first thing to go out was like power steering. That was gone. Which now, right now, here's what's funny about that. I'm trying to tell you guys like a, a whole a hard story of life, but I bet you right now, four, you're gonna comment like power steering. You had power steering. Yeah, I had power steering. <laughs> so that was cool. I had power steering. I didn't have power windows though. So power steering, and then the alternator went out. You know, that's what happens. You get a car at uh, 104,000 miles. You start learning to replace everything around the engine until the engine goes. And then I got to about 185,000. I might have made 189. I'm just remembering it was 180-something when I finally threw a rod on that, on that truck. Dougal Doug said, luxury. Yes. Look, I had AC and I had power steering, man. That was pretty ass awesome. <laughs> Uh, uh, I will say this. That truck finally, when it threw a rod, the AC was still running cold. <laughs> that was nice. And where I live, that's all you care about. Um, okay. Okay. Tom Tom Guitar said Tucson had more shade cactus mechanics. Ha, ha, ha. Yeah. Well, let me tell you, it's not fun to lay down on the ground uh, when it here. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to put something down. Okay, so uh, that's all that from Deoxid, huh? That's where we went with this. Uh, I don't understand. Scott, okay, Scott's a member. He's, his question is, uh, just curious, not rude, just curious. Is YouTube the only place you tip before you get service? Or other, other, oh man, I don't know where you live, Scott, but where I live, that's the new thing. You tip everywhere. Um now <laughs> i um i just i don't know why you just you know but uh not i it's a new trend now to tip everywhere and i was used you know we i remember when you just tipped you know obviously the servers and then all of a sudden you're at the starbucks and you tip the person that gets you a coffee and you're like okay you just tip and i'm a guilty tipper so so you know i i only say that because sometimes every once in a while my wife watches this show and my big fear is that She'll comment to me something like, I can't believe you said that and didn't say this. Because So I'm hearing in my head right now. I should admit to you guys. I'm a guilty tipper, which means I tip all the time. Wait, I don't want to say way too much. I tip nice. And um, and it's always out of guilt. <laughs> I just tip. And so why, why I mentioned that is it just came up recently. I ordered some food at the, the Thai place. And then it says, pick it up. And like at 6.04. And I go, okay. And then it says, tip. And I go, and I look at my wife and I go, so. So now I tip when I'm just running in to grab it. So she's like, yeah. And I go, all right. So I tipped. <laughs> she's like, oh, you don't have to tip. And I'm like, oh, I don't know. So I think the tipping thing is just going to, for those of you not in the U.S., haven't visited here, tip's a thing. For those of you in the U.S., I don't know if you know, Europe really doesn't understand the tipping thing. Um, <laughs> here it's just, we're tipping all the time, everywhere, uh, tipping. The, the, um, the uh, but I'm also like I said I should make I should also point this out not only my guilty tipper it's gotten worse because my daughter uh, took a job where she works on tips uh, you know at the um, at the bakery thing so now I think of like when I see kids and stuff I'm like oh I gotta tip because you know it's hard work we're not gonna talk about guitars at all today that's this is gonna be the show lawsuits <laughs> car repair and tips. Um, Okay, Deja Voodoo says, speaking of heat, I like that segue. That's great. Speaking of heat, has Phil talked about the new Ernie Ball heat-treated pickups? Very interesting. Uh, 
I have not. So, of course, I read the the ad copy. Um, this this is a very strange topic. Here's why. There's no real information. And, geez louise, could they be even more vague in their own ad copy? Um, I, th- I thought I was impressed with... <laughs> the, the the PRSTCI at, uh, marketing copy. Now, keep in mind, I want to be very specific what I'm attacking here and what I'm talking about. Ad copy, marketing copy, okay? I don't care what the technology is. <laughs> I don't care about how legitimate or illegitimate the, co- the, the technology is. What I first want to talk about is just the advertisements. Advertising is a strange thing, especially in a, in a world where I, where I, as you guys know, I deal with. When I'm doing videos, sometimes I'm reading their advertising and I'm like, this is just doesn't make any sense. The, the advertising for the heat-treated pickups was... I know it's not good. Here's why. I read it three times. And if you have to read something three times and still kind of make your wincy face, that you're like, what the hell is going on here? I don't even understand what they're saying. I mean, I get the reference. They reference like their cryo-freezing strings, and this is the same kind of thing. And it's like... (laughs) But here's what I I don't like about this concept already. Uh, So this is where I'm going to talk about it. Now, again, I got to reserve the right to say, when I eventually try one, because at some point I'll try one, uh, I'll give you obviously some kind of a fair assessment. And I don't want to go into like bias on this, but there's a couple things going on here. First of all, let me tell you what I, what I see in not the ad copy, but in the specifications that they are disclosing. First of all, they're using rare, rare earth magnets, neodymium. Um, they're using ceramic magnets, very powerful magnets. Uh, so this is a different, already a different kind of pickup by just using those magnets. So when they say like, these are going to have more output than other pickups. Well, I don't know what they're comparing. Are they comparing them to other rare earth magnets or ceramic magnets? Because I mean, like the X2N by uh, DiMarzio or, um, you know, other pickups that are uh, like the Bill Lawrence pickup, those pickups are high output too because of that same reason. So I don't know if they're saying like, see, again, this is where it gets confusing because they're not saying anything specifically like saying, hey, if you take a Alnico 5 uh you know, PAF style pickup and our pickup and they're kind of spec the same, the heat treated, they have more output. They're saying, no, these are heat treated. They have more output, but, but just by saying that they have Neo or ceramic magnets, they're going to be a more powerful magnet, more powerful pickup. The other thing is they're using active boosting electronics. They're active electronics to boost the signal. So they're saying, they're talking about this. It already sounds horrible to me. So, you know, let's just be clear. I, I have no problem telling you later that I'm totally wrong. I plug in one of the guitars and I go, man, am I wrong? Because I could be wrong. Obviously, I'm wrong a lot. But that's not the point. The point is, is that what's what sounds like they're doing is the last thing I'm interested in. I'm not interested in a pickup with a heavy magnet with active power pushing it. I don't think you guys are either. By If you look at the market, that's not where the market's going. Otherwise, uh, you would see, you know, EMGs and everybody just booming with this stuff. You know, EMGs are are doing great, but they're not doing as well as vintage style pickups, which is what everybody seems to be after uh, for the most part. So it's a very interesting thing to do. Um, so, uh, like I said, I I wish I wish we, <laughs> you know, I wish we lived in a world where 
um, let's be honest, this stuff doesn't really matter. In other words, it's not a safety concern. And no matter what they're going to say, there's nothing that somebody can't figure out and reverse engineer in a minute. So to be so vague about it already is very confusing. And I thought that was something I just didn't dig. Uh, you know, I think you should be bold and proud to tell people what you invented. And I didn't really see that in their ad copy. Again, I'd like to be very clear. I'm attacking the ad copy because, again, I don't know the technology because they're not really telling anybody. They're just using terminology. And they're not the only one. They're all guilty. Pickup companies are the absolute worst when it comes to vague marketing that doesn't mean anything. Um, uh, all of them say the same thing. They all say this. They're like, hey, if you like this pickup, my favorite thing that they do, they all do this. This pickup is great for blues players because it has that nice, creamy sound they like. But metal players love the attack and the punch. Jazz players love how it's clean. And I'm like, so everybody? This, this is a product for everybody? <laughs> so it's kind of the same thing. So again, uh, you know, I, was, I thought I was overall impressed with Music Man's uh, uh, launch of the NAMM show. I thought they kind of stole the show because they're which wasn't hard to do, but at least give them credit for what, you know, what is it was worth. They did a lot of cool things, but that pickup thing is definitely up there with the, I don't know if I really care. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. And I'm, I kind of hope that pickups don't end up like guitar strings where, you know, there's just more and more nonsense stuff coming into the market. Pickups got, our strings got out of control for a while where they were just making up stuff. <laughs> that really didn't matter and just you know just to get taglines and 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 have like a thing to say you know some kind of weird uh marketing speak so yeah <laughs> some of you guys the comments are hilarious that's why i said i got i get in trouble if i start reading them as i'm as i'm talking because i'll get sidetracked Oh, Tom Tom Guitar says, I'm working on a pickup that ignores wrong notes. See, that's a useful thing, right? <laughs> that's great. <laughs> For half of us, the, half the guitar playing would be muted. <laughs> yeah, so again, but like I said, I, I, I definitely always try to reserve my, my judgment until I get to try it, and hopefully I'll get to try them soon. Uh, you know, as you guys know, I don't have any kind of relationship with them, so I don't expect them to be sending any kind of product out for me to check out. But uh, I do have a couple situations coming up in the next few months where I might have opportunities to be around some of their some of their gear, and I'll definitely, because of this, I'm going to take an opportunity to check it out. Um, but I'm really, really not so much concerned about whether or not the technology is good or the stuff is good. It's just I'm not interested. I'm not actively looking for that type of pickup tone that they're talking about. It's usually not something I'm after. To me, what they're basically talking about is I always think Fishman kind of does it better. But so there you go. <laughs> okay, I gotta. I'm gonna. All right, I'm gonna stop reading your comments and get focused here. All right, we. I have no idea. Let's do. Uh, Hector says, "Hey Phil, what are the typical profit margins? I recently scored an American Pro for twenty percent off." Because of Guitar Center rep didn't realize the discount was for the MIM. Okay, so that, that's cool. So basically, they had some kind of discount, and uh, you did the your guitar, and it was not the guitar that they were going to do, and he honored that or got it work. That's great. Um, typically, margins in our industry run between thirty to fifty percent. That's that, and it depends on what the product is. So, and it's pretty standard. What's great about things is, like I told you, sometimes it gets tough to do this show because because as 
the pandemic happened, sometimes the stuff I used to know for years and years is becoming irrelevant, and I have to relearn the industry as I as I go. And uh, this is something that hasn't changed. If anything, it's probably more accurate than ever before. So um, typically, retailers in our industry will make 30% margin. So obviously, if it sells it to for $1,000, they would pay $700. They would make $300. That's a typical 30% margin. It's very standard. Sometimes it goes high as 40%, and sometimes it goes high as 50%. But keep in mind, it's not the way it works the way you think it is. Sometimes the more they buy, the bigger the margin is. But sometimes it works exactly like you also think it works, which is the more the premier the brand, the less the discount tends to be. Um, and uh, and uh, that's, that's a big deal. So like, for instance, a lot of the bigger brands aren't going to deep discount their products. Fender typically uh, does... Uh, is a company who does stepping kind of profit margins. In other words, like small dealers will receive one percentage and a bigger dealer, a bigger percentage. And then of course, you know, by the time you get to the, the, the big guys, the guitar centers, the Sweetwaters, they're, they're getting the best margins. However, a lot of that isn't given to them in upfront in a discount. It's sometimes given to them in the back end in some kind of advertisement dollars or other incentives. They'll do it that way too. But so 20% off makes sense. I mean, it doesn't break their bank by any means. I mean, I would still expect them to make a 20% margin on that guitar with that discount. Uh, Alex says, I guess this, I guess, guess this absolute gem. What? <laughs> mahogany body, maple top, US made. He wants me, am I guessing it? Okay. So it's a mahogany body with a maple top, US made split coil pickups, compound radius, ebony fretboard, Ernie B. Compensated nut, locking tuners, multiply binding everywhere, MOP inlays, uh, around $1,000. I'm going to say it's a guitar, Alex. <laughs> I don't know. It says Ernie Ball compensated nut, so I'm going to say it's an Ernie Ball because I don't know anybody who uses their nut besides them. Kind of Kind says, new guitar day. I got a Tele style Ert. Hey, I just did a review of those a couple while back. Uh, delivered today. Definitely need to replace the pickups. I mean, yeah, I was not a big fan of those. Ordered a set of Seymour Duncans. Uh, any recommendations for the first time pickup swapper? By the way, you rock. Yeah, always. It's a broken record with me. First, always take a picture of everything before you start. Uh, the electronics from different angles. <laughs> you know, over the years I said that, and then um, I I learned the hard way. Somebody did it to me. Uh, somebody asked me, a friend of mine asked me to rewire a guitar that somebody had uh, kind of dreamed up this wiring configuration, did it for him. He decided to have his guitar painted, asked me for a favor. The favor was basically, you know, could he take out the guts and then have me put it together? And I said, yeah, please take a picture of what it looked like before, and that will just give me a guideline because they didn't have any kind of a diagram or anything. And he took a picture straight down, and half the stuff was covering stuff, so I had to, like, work it all out. It didn't – it wasn't a big deal, but it added an hour or two to my time. And, you know, sometimes when you're three, four hours into a project that you thought you are going to do in 30 minutes, it's just a different afternoon for you. Um, so, yeah, definitely take pictures of the electronics from angles to see what you – you know, what's going on. This is a very basic uh, pickup swap. You know, you, you really can't mess this up. It's two wires uh, coming off the pickups. Um, but that's, that's basically it. And the other thing is um, – you know, go slow, take your time. <laughs> I always say that. And uh, it's because it, uh, it don't be in a hurry. And more importantly, not only not be in a hurry, but if you feel anxiety, which happens sometimes when you're doing something, always go away and come back. It's uh, don't try to push yourself through it. 
uh, that's the biggest mistake I think you can make is because the more anxious you get, it actually just compounds and gets worse and worse. It doesn't, you don't get to a point where you think if you go, well, if I could just get to this point, I'll calm down. I won't be so anxious. No, it'll just build up and then you make mistakes. Congratulations on the guitar, by the way. I have another ERT. My last ERT video will be out. We think we're going to launch it Monday. The patrons, the members got it yesterday and today. Uh, and I thought maybe Sunday, but it might be Monday. But, uh, and uh, that's kind of, I'm excited about this because I'm really trying to do this. And I told you guys this for the last couple of years. I'm really trying to do a situation where every brand I do, I do three guitars. That's, I try to get all the companies to go for it. Nobody would go for it. So I've given up on that. So we're just going to focus on doing it. I still think that's the best thing you should do. I think that's what I, I want to do, which is every time I do a brand, I would like to do three of their guitars in a very short period of time, meaning over a couple months or a couple weeks or whatever works fast, because I think that's the fa- I think that's the best thing I can do because even if they kind of stack the deck and sent me, you know, perfect guitars, which we've talked about, you know, not likely, but could happen. Um, uh, I think three different specimens gives a broader understanding of the product line or of a, of a brand or something like that. I don't know. Let me know your thoughts. Um, Damien says, Damien, Damien says, Damien, Damien says, any way to increase tension on a low E string without going higher gauge? Like maybe an additional string tree? Uh, no. I mean, technically, you can change the way the tension feels by just the type of bridge and the type, you know, string tree. But no, if you need more tension, just go a larger gauge. The other thing you can do is you don't have to go, gotta understand, Damien, here's a couple of suggestions. Not all strings are equal in design. So here's what I mean by that. Not all 40, so I'm just going to say 46 gauge. If that's not what you use, just pick the gauge you use for the low E. 46 gauge string is not the same in all brands. For instance, somebody like DR strings will use in some of their strings a hex core. And so it's a hex instead of a circle core wire and they wrap the string around it. And as those string wraps around the hex, it kind of bites on. And when you bend the outer uh, wire doesn't flex as much. And so the strings will feel a little stiffer. The other thing that they can do is some manufacturers use a thicker core wire and a smaller wrap wire. So by by its 46 gauge in the thickness, total thickness, but the makeup is not the same. Like in other words, the ingredients are not the same inside. You have a bigger wire with a smaller outer wire. Some string manufacturers might use a smaller inner wire with a thicker wrap wire, not very common, but it's possible. But more importantly, another thing that can change that is just the type of materials. Some of them use different uh, metals in the core wire uh, and the wrap wire to, again, get different effects. For uh, a perfect example, I did a video where I, I talked about pure nickel strings. And one of the things I can tell you is if you get a pure nickel string compared to a, uh, a nickel uh, wrapped string, the pure nickel will feel softer and more and have it feels that's why I use them on certain guitars. I use pure nickel strings on most of my vintage era guitars, era being like my you know 60s era strat kind of thing. I'll put a, a, uh, a pure nickel string on there because it just feels more, uh, you know, it feels more, I want to say accurate, it's not really accurate, but you know what I mean, it feels just better on that type of guitar. So you don't have to necessarily use a bigger gauge string. You have to try to figure out a different type of string, and there's different kinds. Uh, another thing I would recommend is if you like, uh, like if you're using, just to give you for instance, 
uh, a Daddario NYXL 46, you might want to try, uh, I'm sorry, their regular, sorry, uh, the regular strings, you might try the NYXL. So again, different materials can achieve that as well. I've said this before, I'll say it again. I highly recommend that players play with different strings. Uh, strings are one of those things that you, it's one of the cheapest things you can do to get the most bang for your buck. You can change a guitar sound dramatically with type of string and, uh, and feel. It's very common and it's not a very expensive process to do. So that, that just as a suggestion. Just the, that's why I, I, when I do string videos, I always find like it's one of those things I've done. They don't get as many views, which is great. It's fine. But I do them and I stay consistent about them because it's one of my favorite subjects to talk about is strings. Um, Uh, so Steve's asking, what do I think about Guitar Center forcing all their employees to part-time minus higher-ups? I haven't heard that. Uh, I know that a lot of companies around the world in the U.S. are doing weird stuff right now because of the market. The market is very strange right now. Uh, I think everybody's too quick to judge or come to a conclusion on this current market. I'm talking about our industry, right? Okay, stay with our industry. Uh, as someone who's who's kind of like daily has a meeting with some company about something usually business related um as a barometer it is definitely a wacky time where it's boom it's feast and famine again it's exactly kind of i hate to say it i don't want to say this but it's kind of what i predicted a year ago when i said as the market slows some companies are going to be aggressive and grow and some companies are going to really get to take a pummeling because they've been living on easy street where they were just collecting the orders every day because it was a boom market. And I think right now, if you're the one sitting there waiting for those fast, easy orders to come, I think right now you're like, hey, the market's not slow. It's slowing down. Meanwhile, the other the other companies I'm talking to, they're just like, they cannot keep up because they are just going. So I can see it every day. So uh, same with Guitar Center. I don't know. I haven't heard anything like that. Um, but it, I don't know. I, I, it doesn't shock me right now with all the stuff I've heard. Some companies are kicking back a little bit it's just how it works. This is how it always works. This is how it worked last time too. Some companies are going to adjust for the market and say, okay, the market's slowing and there's an inflation and therefore we're going to cut costs. And that's where they're going to make their, that's where they're going to make their money is by cutting the cost to keep their money. But some companies are going to go, you know, this is a perfect time to just kill some of our, our, our competitors and just grow our market. And that's where it is because in the last couple of years, I think you could pretty much, do every stupid thing you could think of wrong and still be successful in business. It literally, I talked to companies where I thought I was talking to some of the dumbest people I've ever talked to in my life and they were booming and they were so egotistical. They were like, it's so easy. It's just everything selling like nothing. And I'm like, oh, everyone's a, like I said, everyone's a genius in a bull market. Wait till the market slows a little and you have to work again for your market share. I don't think you're going to like what the other companies have planned for you. So if you're a company and you're watching this and you hear me say that, I hope you take that, uh, I hope you take that advice uh, because it's literally happening as we talk right now. I'm literally talking to companies who are just killing it while other companies are asking me, hey, have you seen the markets dying? And I'm like, I don't think that's what's happening. <laughs> I think people are taking the market from other people right now. 
Um, the and also just on a side note, all companies that kind of figure out how to screw their employees, shame on you. I, I'm not saying that's what happened. I just need to say it. It just seems like it's such a such a go-to move. And again, I don't know what happened to Guitar Center, so don't connect what I'm saying to Guitar Center. But I'm just saying for all companies that figure out screwing your employees is your best move, go, ah, just screw off. It's such a horrible thing to do. And I'm not saying that because, you know, you know, there's a little guy and you got to stand up for him. I'm just, what a, just a dumb move. Because... I've said this before, you know, the problem is, is people don't forget. <laughs> so when, you, you know, how you act and then when you act, you know, when you do horrible things to people in bad times, people don't forget. So I, that's my, I told you, that's my mother's advice. You don't forget the people who screwed you over when you were down the most. Um, Hold on a second. I'm trying to find. Amanda's like pointing me at somebody. Uh, hold on, Amanda. I see it. Marcy Janice. Marcy Jan Jens? Give me a second. Phil. Okay, I found it, Marcy. Marcy, I think it's two. Uh, <laughs> I think it's funny. Marcy's very smart. <laughs> Marcy's like, Amanda, get Phil to answer my question. That's, I Like I said, I can see the moderators. I wish YouTube would figure out how to get monitors to, to send me questions. Cause that's what I would love. This, ch this show would be a thousand times better if there was four or five moderators picking you guys questions and queuing them up for me. I, if you guys know how to do that, I physically can't figure out how to get that, that one thing done. I can queue them up, but the idea that I have four people queuing them up without texting them to me or doing some kind of third party thing. I wish YouTube will figure that out on that tirade let's go to marcy's uh, question marcy says phil thoughts on modding a base to add a vintage p single in the bridge position thoughts i uh, love the show i'm going to hang up and listen to your answer off air awesome uh so what do i uh what's my thoughts on you putting just one vintage p base single in the bridge position there's nothing wrong with that i don't know what the benefit would be keep in mind part of the tech part of the 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 the, the tech technical part of, of a P-Base pickup is where it's placed. I mean, that's essentially what's different about it. I mean, when I look at a jazz bass pickup and a P-Base pickup, the main thing I'm taking away that's different before anything else is just the, obviously, positioning. So there are tons of bases that have, like, dual P-Base pickups in them and, you know, in the bridge and the neck position. There's no real... Nothing. Uh, easy part of your, your for your answer is there's nothing wrong with doing it. Just do it. <laughs> it's not going to hurt anything, and I just don't know what you would get out of it. Obviously, other than just physically changing the placement of the pickup, it's going to change what it hears. And if you're following the P, the, the thing about the P base is you don't have to follow their rules. By the way, you don't have to put them in the the position that they sometimes are always in in P bases. You can put them in whatever position you want. So I'd say do it. Why not? What's the worst can happen? Unless it's a very expensive base and you're going to take a take a chisel to it. I don't know if I'd recommend that. Yes, um, Mr. Moat says you can double stack P base pickups. Absolutely. I used to play a double P base forever. Uh, just a, a weird base I had. It had two sets of P bases in it, uh, P pickups in it. And uh, I didn't like it or dislike it any for that reason. It just had that. It was actually something I didn't even notice. Wing guy says spark many thoughts. I haven't tried one. Don't know anything about them. 
So I don't know. Oh, now Nathan, so you text me. Okay. All right. He says, oh, what is he sending me? Here, I'm texting you, but have you seen this yet? All right, Nathan wants me to see something. Oh, okay. Oh, he's talking about, okay, this, I I think I kind of caught a glean of this. So what he's talking about is a musical instrument. This is the, this is from... Well, it doesn't say. I think it's Arizona 15, so that's our news. It says, Musical Instrument Retailer signs big industrial lease in Phoenix metro area. It says, Fort Wayne, Indiana-based Sweetwater. This is kind of something I kind of knew about. I just didn't know how, how out there it is. Uh, musical Instrument Pro Audio Gear e-commerce provider recently leased 100% of a large industrial facility in Glendale, Arizona. If you're not familiar with the Arizona area, Glendale is very north of Phoenix, um, northeast. Uh, it's basically by the giant, wherever the Cardinals football stadium. For you sports fans, maybe that's something that means something to you guys. The 350,000 square foot facility at, oh, I can give you the address, 16801, just in Glendale, guys. Okay. You can't go there unless you're applying for a job. It is a new industrial building known as the 303 Logistics, uh, and it's owned by this blah, blah, blah person. The facility will be the company's first distribution center outside of headquarters. This is, so you guys, something that we had talked about. Uh, if you recall, uh, let's talk about this. So if you recall, when Sweetwater got bought out by the big investment corporation and and all the channels went, oh, they're going to go to Europe <laughs> like and fight Toman. And I'm like, no, they're not going to do that. What they're going to do is grow their online business model. And so everything that supports their online growth is what they will focus on. So that's why 500 YouTube channels are now affiliates with Sweetwater. That's why 20 YouTubers are going there at the end of the month to do the uh, thing, uh, the uh, GearFest thing. It's why Sweetwater is going to keep continually grow the internet. Because while Guitar Center and Sam Ash, who I love Sam Ash, and I can't say Sam Ash without saying I still love those guys, think the 1986 business model is the thing to go. I think, unfortunately, uh, uh, this is, I, 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 I told you guys, I have meetings with companies and I'll tell you something I recently just said. I said, I wonder if the guys at Walmart ever had a meeting laughing going, who the hell is Amazon? <laughs> I bet you they, they're rethinking that joke now when they were probably in that meeting. And my joke was, I bet you at one point, and that's what I think, unfortunately, Guitar Center and all these uh, larger chain stores. I'm not talking about mom and pops. We can talk about this separately. But I think the larger chain stores, I think what they're missing is the same thing that uh, Walmart was missing, which was, I bet you Walmart sat in the meeting and said, well, doesn't matter how big Amazon grows on the internet because phys- physically people still want to go into a store and get their goods and services because they don't want to wait two, three days for their stuff. Meanwhile, I was like laughing because I'm like, I needed shaving cream and razors and I bought them on Amazon and I, I bought them on my wife's account and they showed up three hours later at the front door, right? Because we got the ring doorbell and it like chimes and all of a sudden I'm like, oh, who the hell's at the front door? And it was my razors and shaving cream. <laughs> and I was like, so I can look pretty for you guys. And I was laughing and I'm like, I bet you that's what Walmart was banking on was that if I need a razor and shaving cream in a day or two, I, you know, or the same day, apparently I would have to go to the stores. So 
This is what I'm telling you about Sweetwater. Sweetwater is going to make it to where you can get a guitar in 24 hours. So yes, they're going to have their new distribution on the on the uh, West Coast, and they'll have one on the East Coast. And you can decide if you want to walk into the Guitar Center and get it today, or you can see if you can get it at Sweetwater in 24 hours. And um, and that's <laughs> you guys are making Amazon book jokes. I love it. Uh, so yeah, so Sweetwater is basically going to have their West Coast distribution, and that's essentially what I think is going to happen. They're going to continue to grow. Uh, the internet and uh, gobble up every single guitar player that wants to be on the internet, which according to the, I don't know, how about this? Like I said, my little channel, I say little cause I'm not a big you know YouTube channel, but a guitar channel. I got a hundred, I'm coming up on a hundred million views and Sweetwater has learned to tap in that. All my videos have their affiliate links in them. And so, uh, and I, and I think, I don't know for sure. It seems to me, it looks like when I look at what I'm seeing out there, they have about 500 affiliate channels right now or more and growing. So, and, uh, that's digital real estate folks. If you guys don't know that, that, uh, I have 800 videos. Do I have, I may have 900 videos. I have 800 videos. And I would tell you right now, uh, it took me a long time putting all those links on all those videos. And if somebody came to me now, much less than two years from now, like guitar centers j- joked to me when they said, Hey, in a couple of years, we want to get on the internet. Um, I would imagine you could, I want you guys to imagine what I'm going to say to them on the phone when they say, we want you to spend the next two to three weeks spending all day putting all our links on all your old videos, what I'm going to come up with. <laughs> and they won't want to do it because uh, I, I, w- I would have to charge them a lot of money to do that because they're already on those videos and they're already doing their, they're doing their thing. And it's not a lot of money, but it's consistent and it comes with no effort. Um, yeah, a lot of you guys, I'm just literally in some of your, sorry, I'm just reading some of your guys' comments. So yeah, so there you go. So that Sweetwater's new facility will be in Phoenix, Arizona. The, uh, which think about that. It's great for me. That means when I order stuff on Sweetwater, I'm going to get it fast. And <laughs> I, I wonder if I could ever like kind of, kind of like, Hey, can I drive and pick it up? Um, but to be honest with you, on that side of town, from where I'm at, it's uh, 45 minutes with no traffic to an hour. So, uh, Declan wants to know, what does Declan want to know? Hey, Declan. He says, are you still planning to release the S7 review? Yes, the S7 review will be done. The uh, their video release, so, so on a, Declan, on a side note, that video got pushed back because... Um, as you know, I did the Ert video, and then um, uh, Ralph and I talked about doing the headless guitar because Ralph wanted a headless guitar. So I I had to kind of bump that in front of another video. That's the next one. So you know, it was the Ert headless guitar um, because of the fact that I needed I needed it done so Ralph could take his guitar home. Um, because <laughs> it's his guitar, which I think I'm gonna get one too. I think I'm gonna get blue. <laughs> Um, oh yeah. He's like, yeah, 30 minutes or less. You get it free. That'd be nice. Uh, Icenic Wolf, Icenic Wolf is a distribution warehouse or a manufacturing facility. It's distribution. Sweetwater doesn't make anything. So it's just distribution, just distribution, but it's going to be a large distribution facility. 
Yeah, Jose Benito says, just like AirMass and Z Sounds, which is the same company, have the Reno, Nevada, West Coast. Have you ever been, any of you guys been to Reno? Reno is crazy. Um, when you go there, there's hundreds of these giant warehouses. It's everything. It's Amazon. It's like it's become this major distribution hub for so much online business. It was I went there, it was just I've never seen so many large buildings in, in my life. It was just crazy. Um, not to get off subject, but it was just crazy to see that. So, all right. Um, there, there you go. All right. I need, what do I need? I need another question. Let's go to the next subject. Next subject. Was is uh john i just want to make sure i'm not losing uh, a question guys john says hey phil recently built a hot rodded marshall clone and i was re really curious about your thoughts on them are any of your amps in that category um well uh, yeah i mean technically i have friedman's which are just hot rodded marshalls so i mean technically yeah i, I don't have a like a marshall that i have souped up um i don't have any modded amps at all uh, other than Freeman's, which are technically modded amps, but they come, you know, they're stock. I, and so, you know, Freeman even offered to mod one of my Freedmans, And I was like, no, nah, I'm kind of more of a stock person. Um, I, I, if I like the amp, I like the amp. The, I think if I came across an amp that was modded and I played it, uh, then I would be happy with it. But I don't, uh, never, I've never like played an amp and thought, oh, if I just, you know, have it juiced up or something, I'll like it. I'm always afraid to mess with something because I usually like it. So I don't want to mess with it. Uh, Meester says, Hey, just got my Gibson SG tribute back from the shop with your Northern lights, uh, pickups installed. They sound terrific. Loving my first real Gibson. Thanks. Hey, I'm, I'm glad you like it. I, I, uh, I, it's always great to hear that, you know, with uh, stuff. And I have to say at this point, I I've been really overly impressed with just how that rollout happened with those pickups and how well they were received. It's been epic and I just never would have predicted this what not only the volume in which we ended up doing but just how the reaction for the people who got them very very cool and i'm working on something new that i think will be very exciting but it's not gonna be till fourth quarter and it will be uh well I'll, you know just leak it because you guys are the, the guys that hang out with me on fridays uh affordable versions so so i think that's what the goal is so we'll see but it's gonna be a lot of work uh Declan, oh, Declan again. Declan says, hey, Phil, would the Soldado Mini be useful tonal addition besides the Victory V40 and the Blackstar JJN20? Um, you know, in in the video, I kind of hit on this since I'd done a couple of these. I really think the 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 market for the Soldado Mini, the Freedom Mini, those mini amps are exactly, when somebody makes fun of them, if you ever read any of the comments in any of those videos, there's always a couple of make, people making fun of them. The people making fun of them really understand, I think, personally, the marketing more than anybody else, which is not to make fun of them, but to understand what it is. If you always wanted a Saldano, but didn't have the three to $6,000 it takes to buy the 30 or the 100, and even used, they're still going to be $2,500 to uh, $4,000. And, you know, you just wanted it. It's it's a taste. That's what it is. It's like a, it's no different than when you get a pedal. Like I have, you know, I have, I've told you guys this, I have the, uh, the Freeman small box and I have the small box pedal and they're very similar, but I think they sound a little bit different. I think obviously I like the Freeman head better than the pedal. And that's even running into that amp, you know, clean. Um, but 
they're so similar and sound that I honestly believe that if I was to uh, have to go somewhere and I couldn't take the small box head, I could take that pedal, plug it into a Fender Hot Rod Deluxe and get a tone that I feel comfortable with playing with because I like it. I'd feel pretty good. I think that's what the mini heads are about. So I really feel this. Like the Saldano 30, if I was going to take that somewhere and jam with it or play with it, and then I was in a situation where I couldn't, uh, and I took the Saldano Mini, yeah, I think I could play it and feel like I was in the range of the tone of that amp. And that's really what it is. It's a $250 for fun kind of thing, and uh, that's it. <laughs> and and it, again, it's legitimate because it has 30 watts of power, um, although not amazing, it's still pretty good. Uh, so that's that's my take on that. It's an impulse buy. It could be the cheapest impulse buy you guys do. Uh, and, and I feel the same way because, uh, you know, if you impulse buy a, a $2,500, $3,000 amp, uh, I mean, that's insane. <laughs> this is insane. So um, I think that's what it's about. And I, I, I really, that's why I kind of let lead in, leaned into that in the videos, talking about that. It's basically the Saldano mini head is a Saldano pedal with power supply. The Freeman head is a Freeman pedal with power supply, or power, I shouldn't pay power, power supply, but power. Um, and they look cool. And... You know, and so you know, if it wasn't for the pandemic in the world and everything, those amps were supposed to hit the streets at 199. When I saw the prototype in 2020, I saw the very first. I saw a prototype of all of them. In fact, the one there's one more since they've actually fulfilled and sent the Saldano, the Bogner, the Diesel, and the uh, Friedman. I can tell you that obviously, when I was showed on in January of 2020, I was shown five amps. And told there was going to be more than those, but I was actually showed, showed, shown those five amps, which you've now seen four. So there's one more coming, I would imagine, because if they've done the first four, they're going to do the fifth one. And then after that, there's supposed to be more coming. They came a lot slower than they said because of the pandemic and all that stuff, and the prices went up a lot higher. Uh, and the only thing I will tell you, and it's not to, uh, you know, make you buy it or not buy it, but I need you to be aware of this. It's also my understanding that the SLO Mini right now is 250, but at the end of the month it goes to its regular price of 300. So think about that. Um, you know, choose wisely with your purchasing. But that information is what I was told. So there to be aware. But like I said, they're they're just fun. Like I said, if you you have legitimate amps, so I wouldn't say like you need this in your collection. That's not what it, it is. It's just. I got it. I'll tell you, like I said, I'll tell you a funny thing. When I got the Seldona Mini shipped to me, the first thing I did is I plugged it in a cabinet and I played Wicked Sensation by Lynch Mob on it for like 20 minutes. <laughs> I just thought it was fun. I just had a blast. And I go, that's, I think that's what it's about. It's just a collectible thing. Um, yeah. Oh, Brian's saying, and the fire. Yeah. Thanks, Brian. Yeah. Not only that, all of that stuff happened. And then of course the fire, uh, the, 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 uh, uh, Boutique amp distribution facility, uh, you know, had the building next to it caught uh, fire, and um, and uh, <laughs> and that also hindered it. Um, I saw another one. Was it? Um, uh, Icenic Wolf says, I I think I'm saying it right. Says SLO Mini selling out three, two, one. Yeah, I mean, so you know, I think they're already pretty much sold out. I looked; they were sold out pretty fast. They sold out pretty fast. Um, I've done I've done reviews, obviously, of the 
Diesel, the Bogner, and this SLO. I never did a review of the Friedman because there was a ton of videos out there and I just didn't get to it because they didn't send me one. Uh, they sent me one like a year <laughs> after everybody else got one. So I, I just didn't know how to upload that video at that time. And uh, out of the three I've done videos, the the SLO, uh, according to the affiliate links, man, just you guys bought them like crazy. In fact, I'll just tell you, I released the video like a day early or two days early to my patrons, and the patrons alone bought more SLOs than than the real videos of the other two amps. So I kind of knew like this was going to be a big deal. Because, yeah, Brian says Sweetwater sold out. So, you know, there'll be more. This isn't a limited edition thing. So please don't, you know, don't, you know, it's not, it's not an, you know, it's not a need, obviously, but it, like I said. Do your, you know, find them for a deal on Reverb or whatever. Uh, Brian says his is on backwater. I think they'll fill the backwaters pretty soon. I, th- I, I bet you it's about a month, but who knows? It could be different. Thunder Falcon says the lawsuit was started by Henry Era Gibson and new guy running Gibson. Wait, and not the new guy. Uh, running Gibson. Okay, so Thunder Falcon's talking about the fact, he's talking about Dean. Henry started the lawsuit, and they kind of inherited it with Gibson. I don't know. I've heard all kinds of stories like that, too. I've told you, I had I had dinner with the attorney, one of the attorneys that was kind of in this mess, and uh, they didn't tell, there's no top secret information. I can tell you anything that we talked about, because it wasn't like that kind of a, a dinner. It was more of a uh, friends in the industry just having dinner one night at uh, one of the summer NAM shows, and it just so happened it was like 2019, so it was obviously right after the lawsuit, and he was there. And what was discussed was that even though Henry had done stuff, the new Gibson regime is kind of even more litigious. That's what he said. I don't know. So I've heard. So Thunder Falcon, what I'm trying to tell you is, you're saying your statement, which is which is good, is saying, hey, Henry kind of started these lawsuits at Gibson, and now the kind of new company inherited. I've heard the exact opposite as well. So I don't really. I always reserve judgment. I don't know. I just telling you what I heard. Um, like I said, I just I don't know. It's like why can't we all just get along? <laughs> all right, uh, Grumpy Mike Guitar says. Just curious, have you seen more Jackson V's because you had to work on so many of them? No, no. So he said, sorry, I got to ask. That's a great question. Um, you know, like, you know, because is my perspective, right? If you repair a lot of guitars, you tend to see a lot of type of guitars. No, I think I've seen more Jackson V's because, well, first of all, you got to understand the the Jackson affordable V market is huge. I mean, if you need a $300 V, Jackson's got them and they're in every store. So like in every guitar center, like think of this, if you walk in a guitar center, uh, even now, I think I bet you you'll see a Jackson V on the wall, and you won't always see an Epiphone V. You'll never see a Gibson V on a Jackson on a on a on a guitar center wall. Typically, you know, what I mean, you're going to see maybe one Epiphone V, and always three or four Jackson Vs. That's where basically it, it does. And guitar center is a barometer for the market. If you need to walk, if you walk into guitar center, and you, sometimes you go, man, why do they always have the same crap? They have the same crap because they sell what sells. They're very generic i mean this like said i mean this just not to be insulting just to be obviously upfront with it guitar center has over the years definitely figured out the this is what everybody buys so this is what we load in there are a thousand uh i'm exaggerating there but there are more than enough stories about guitar center telling companies like hey you know our number one selling thing is black so we'll just carry black now like that's like a typical go-to for them uh you know um so 
that so that's why I say when you walk in there and you see a lot of the same things. Other than sometimes they get stuff on deals. Obviously, you know, they'll load in stuff because the manufacturer's got to get rid of it and they'll sell it to them dirt cheap. But I'm talking about when you see going to Guitar Center and you see tons and tons of Squires and Epiphones, it's because a lot of people buy tons and tons of Squires and Epiphones. <laughs> and that's what they load in. They load in what they can flip. They're, the reason I say that the way I do is because that's not how the guitar store business model originated. And I mean originated in the post-90s era, right? Let's like, we'll call them post-90s, the modern guitar store marketing uh, market, where essentially stores kind of used a, a, a different kind of demographic or different kind of, I don't want to say demographic, different kind of system to sell guitars. So, <coughs> excuse me, <coughs> as my throat goes dry. Um, for instance, they might uh, carry a couple high-end guitars because there's always a couple people looking for high-end guitars, but not a lot. But they used to showcase some interesting stuff, find some stuff that's, that's, um, you know, that might be intriguing for customers. Uh, I just recently was talking about this with a good friend who's in the industry. We're talking about the fact that, you know, surf green strats sell black strats. That's a, that's a fact. It's, so in other words, you put a cool surf green strat on the wall and, uh, not for grumpy Mike. Cause I think grumpy guitar Mike doesn't like surf green strats, but for everybody else, surf green strats, <laughs> you put it on the wall and this is what happens. People walk in, they see it. They have a, a, a very emotional reaction to it, either negatively or positively. And then they go, oh, this is great. And they play it for a few minutes and then they go, like, I'm gonna, now they're in the mood, right? You got them. They're, they're hungry, right? They're ready to buy a guitar. And then they put the green one on the wall and they buy black because they're like, after they think about it. It's like, like, oh, just go with safe, right? And black is safe because uh, it's just a, a color you won't get bored of and, and go with that way. So that's kind of the logic. And so stores kind of know that. So they would that's how they would load in inventory. They would keep some exotic stuff because they knew that's what you would discuss. Plus, there was before the internet, that's how you sold stuff was you got guitar players to go talk about it. So you would go and go, hey, did you go to the guitar center on blah, blah, blah? Did you see that they have a Rhodes V in whatever right and that and then that would get that guitar player from that band to go and check it out and then maybe he buys strings and picks so that's how they kind of did stuff and guitar centers definitely learned over the years the whole we don't need any of that crap we're just going to go these are the things that people buy and that's what it is it's all just safe purchases with no no kind of like taking chances and um yeah a lot of you guys are like oh it's boring it is boring that's why it's boring it's why most of us i would bet you there's 190 1092 of you watching right now for those of you that go to guitar center which is probably a majority of you because that's where their guitar centers everywhere um i don't bet i bet you any of you, you you go to guitar center you look on their online used and you go in their stores and look in used that's what you're looking for because that's the only thing exotic anymore is the used stuff you kind of know what you're going to go at guitar center you walk in every guitar center it's like okay there's going to be some epiphones some squires <laughs> some couple jacksons two schecters I don't know why it's always two Schecters, <laughs> two Schecters, and you know, like four Ibanezes, four Gretches in the corner. Like it's just they, you know, it's just. What's weird to me is uh, music stores have always been a, desti a destination business, which means you know, you know, no one just walks by and goes, "Hey, I never thought about it, but I think I want to buy a guitar today." That doesn't happen that often. Uh, and what's funny is where I live, there's four or five, I think there's five guitar centers in this area, in this metropolitan area, and they all look identical when you walk in them. And I always go, this is so weird because instinctively I want to go to one guitar center and then go to the other one on town and see what they have and then go to the other one and see what they have. But now I don't do that anymore. I used to years and years ago to see what they had. But now I know what they have. They have exactly what the other one had. Exactly. 
And if the store is bigger, it just has more of it. And if it's smaller, it has less of it. <laughs> it used to also be if the store was a bigger guitar center, it had more selection. Now it just means it has more of that same stuff. So that's just my two cents on that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Matt says you play with your eyes, right? Yeah, you do. You play with your eyes first, for sure. In, in your eyes and then in your ears. So... Yeah, Joe says same four plan. It's weird. I've talked about this. It's weird and outdated four plan, by the way. Their their stores are very outdated looking. Very. I don't know who they're marketing to. It's the weirdest thing. Like I said, my favorite thing about Guitar Center is if I'm gonna if I'm gonna bust their chops is I like to make fun of the fact that they they always have that wall of like Marshall wallpaper and and it, right which is a very if you think about it it's very outdated right I mean the whole row of Marshalls row of Ampeg amps is a very 70s 80s thing it didn't even kind of hold up in the 90s by the 90s that wasn't even the look anymore and yet Mar- Guitar Center and they didn't by the way that's not because they haven't updated stores they updated stores in the mid 2000s. They decided to make the stores look like that, which is very dated, which is weird to me. But what's even more weird is, okay, well, then they're going after the older player. They're not going after the younger kid because the younger kid's not going to be interested in a wall of marshals and wall of ampegs. But what makes me laugh is they don't even carry those amps. That's the funnest thing I, I love. It's like, imagine, my, my joke to my wife is, imagine you walk into a store and it had a big Levi's <laughs> wall that says Levi's. And, they don't, and you're like, hey, you have Levi's? And like, we carry two kinds of Levi's over in the corner and it's real. That's it. Those two pairs. That's it. So I always laugh, like you go in there and they have, Mar- I always wonder what Marshall thinks. You, Marshall's like half their wall is a Marshall poster, but then two Marshalls in every store and it's not even the good ones. It's always the affordable ones. <laughs> yeah, well, James says a wall of lap- uh, lap- laptops. Yeah, I don't, I, you know, I, I agree. I, that's, it should be a joke, but it could be true. Like I said, I think at this point, if I was Guitar Center, I'd have Strandbergs. I'd have, uh, which some do now, but I mean, I have Strandbergs. I'd have Axe Effects. I'd have Kempers. I would have, you know, I would have stuff that, that play, younger players are definitely gravitating towards that stuff. So. Michael says, oh, just for the record, Michael says the Guitar Centers in Boston are a bit different. Uh, than each other. They usually have somewhat different stock outside the big brands. This is true. I don't know about there, but I mean, this is true. I've seen some guitar centers have a little bit less of the cookie cutter look. So uh, I don't know what causes that. Somebody probably works at a guitar center watching this probably knows. Maybe there's a general manager thing. Maybe that's what happens. <laughs> you guys are hilarious. All right. All right. Uh, we have... Aleph. Aleph says, Charvel versus LTD fretwork. Mm, okay, hold on. I really hate sharp fret ends uh, on $1,000 guitars. Yeah, I don't find that that is con- uh, a, a symptom of a brand. So every brand can be just as guilty. I like Charvels, but I have seen more fretwork sprout, fret sprout from Charvels than I've seen from LTDs consistently. Um, and it's mostly out of the main Mexico facility, which I don't know why that is. I mean, Ensenada is essentially, well, it's by the, by the ocean and it's, I don't know. I, I don't know if that's maybe the problem, but, um, that's why I wanted to, when I did the videos, that's why I started doing the uh, fret in, uh, test. It's, it felt, it felt weird at first when I started doing those in the videos. Cause I was like, okay, this is one sample, one guitar. If this one guitar has good frets, that doesn't mean all guitars that this, all this models has good frets and vice versa. 
But what I was hoping for, and I've, I, I was talking about this, I was hoping that the videos over time themselves would become the bulk of the information. In other words, you know, once I review, you know, 10 Ertz, 10 Fenders, 10 Gibsons, 10 Epiphones, 10, you know, what cons what consistency do you see? In other words, and this isn't something that you would have to think too hard about, you, the viewer. You could go, you know, okay, if you were to look at the last 10 Gibson reviews I did, although I might say different things in the videos like what I feel about them emotionally, if all of them passed the fret test, then that tells you there's consistency there. If all of them failed it, or if it was 50-50, right, that tells you something. Um, so... You know, that's what I'm hoping. So I would say out of the two, LTD, I think, would kind of have a more consistent fretwork. But at this point, I, I told you, I think they're all really bad right now, all companies. Very few are doing well. PRS does well uh, consistently. I've, I've seen really good stuff from them. And I, I'm trying to think. Of, uh, of course, the ERT guys, because they're the way they're doing it, I, I don't know that those are probably, price point, been the best, most consistent. For sure. Uh, this is from Don who says, Hey Phil, I'm looking at, I'm looking to get a humbucker single, single strat. I'm looking at the Fender player strat and the Schecter guitar research, traditional Van Nuys electric guitar. Uh, which in your opinion is the better guitar? I, I, like I said, I'm a fan of Schecter and their quality. I'm a fan of Schecter in every way, but Fender is always a hard thing to, to tell somebody not to buy. There's a lot of reasons, so many reasons to buy Fender. Um, there's a reason why, there's a reason why, uh, <laughs> there is, there's a reason why almost every YouTube channel that does gear reviews, when they review something that's like a Fender, puts, oh, is this the next Fender? Is Fender, is this like a Fender? Notice Fender's in the title so much. And it's because that's, that's, that's the pole position. That's the person you're chasing. Every company chases Fender because Fender's resale value is good. Fender's quality overall is good. Although, you know, they have some bad stuff too. Overall, they're good. Overall, they have the designs that people want. Overall, they have a lot of things that people want, which is why they're the biggest. And I personally don't think you would regret getting the Fender over the Schecter. In this Specific, specific question you're asking me, what I would tell you is if there's something that's drawing you to that Schecter, like aesthetically that you like, if you played them and you like it because of the way it plays or sounds better, like if there's something tangible that you could tell yourself, like it sounds better, it plays better, or it looks better, then I would say pick it over the Fender. If that's not the case, if it's just you're looking at two stagnant images on the internet, I would go Fender, even though I'm a, I would say I'm a more of a, I lean towards Fender's quality because in my mind, although the Schecter may show up with better fit and finish, the Fender can be fit and finished very easily after the fact, and it will hold up better and have a better resale value. And it's iconic. It's not, and, not, and we talk about resale value a lot, and this gets really confusing for the new guys and gals watching gear channels. Like, why are you always talking about resale? Like, all these channels talk about resale. And it's because this is a adventure that you're on in music to play guitar. This is the thing that I don't think everybody understands. When somebody says, I buy a guitar and I just play that thing forever. Good for you. But most musicians, <laughs> especially hobbyists, and, and that's, and like I said, there's no shame in that. There, you'll never hear me ever shame anyone that helps the guitar community and the guitar industry by supporting it with their money and their time. The hobbyist is not a bad word. The hobby is a glorified word. It supports everything. It's who pays the tickets for the concerts, who's, who's buying all the guitars and the picks and the strings. It's who's supporting the businesses. It's why these manufacturers exist. <laughs> the musicians are all getting the guitars for free. The hobbyists are paying the bills. 
if you shame the hobbyist, you're an asshole because that's where literally where your money comes from. And I always like get all hard about that. And it's always for this one reason, because I've heard and I've told you this, so many companies say that they just don't, you know, they don't value the hobbyists because they're like, oh, you know, it's all about the rock stars and stuff. And like, they don't, you don't even make money from those guys. Those guys help you sell to the hobbyist. The hobbyist is the money. That's what you should care about because that's what you're in the business of doing is paying your bills. <laughs> so that being said, hobbyists buy, it's not just because hobbyists get bored with guitars. That happens. You buy a guitar and you're like, I'm bored of this. And you buy another guitar and you're just churning guitars and churning guitars. That happens. That happens. But the majority of the time, the reason you, you worry about resale value of guitar is because you understand that you don't have, you're calculating something. Even when somebody goes, I don't buy a guitar unless I play it first. That doesn't even mean anything to me, by the way. Nothing. It's meant nothing to me. As someone who sold hundreds and thousands of guitars to somebody personally one-on-one in the shop for years, I will tell you, people will play guitars for six hours in your store to the point where I've learned all their grandkids' names, their kids' names, their 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 birth date. I've learned everything about them. And then two days later, they walk in and go, you know, it just didn't, it just didn't, didn't feel right. So it happens. There's nothing wrong with that. You you never know what what it is. There's a reason why you bond with guitar. There's a reason why you don't. And if it was that easy, uh, well, first of all, a channel like me wouldn't exist, and definitely wouldn't be all these brands exist because everybody would just buy the same stuff. So so resale value is important because of the fact that sometimes you're lucky and you get a guitar and you decide that really quickly it's not for you and you get to return it and exchange it for something else. But the majority. Again, talking about how there's over a thousand people here watching, much less the replay. The majority of us don't unfortunately learn that we don't want this guitar anymore until we're stuck with it. <laughs> so being able to churn that money into the next adventure is a benefit to us. It's, it is one of the things that helps us be so more lax with our money. I don't know a guitar player, a legitimate guitar player, that isn't more eager to spend $1,500 on a guitar than a TV or $500 on a guitar than a TV. Because you know, when you buy a TV, it's worth nothing. <laughs> you buy a guitar, at least you know, it's like, oh, I've spent $500 on a guitar. It's worth at least $350. <laughs> could put that money in the next guitar. And so that there's a reason why we have to talk about it. And that's why it's important. Uh, and if you notice, I added it to the reviews, uh, talking about the resale value of guitars. At first, when I did that, it got received really well. But I've had a couple of people go, you know, I don't know if, why you're doing that. Like, shouldn't people buy the guitar they love? And I'm like, I wish guitar people could buy the guitar they love. It sometimes takes forever to figure out that you love it. And heaven forbid the poor, poor, the poor <laughs> SOBs of us who figured out they love the guitar they already got rid of. Uh, I don't know a person on the planet who hasn't, <laughs> hasn't suffered that in some way or another. Like, I really like that guitar. I really thought I didn't like it till I got rid of it. Uh, Richard says, hey, Phil, have you ever played an Ashen amp? I haven't. Uh, I'm saying, I hope I'm saying right. Ashen is how I'm pronouncing it. Uh, I just got a Goldie with the uh, uh, Revive Tube Reverb vibrato head, and it's incredible. I'll, I'll take a look at them. I haven't heard of them, but I will, I will check them out. Kind of Kind says, Tele Style Ert guitar here again. Okay. I actually just opened it up and got to look at everything. Can you leave a guitar unstrung or should I restring it now until the new pickups come in in a week or two? No, you can leave a guitar unstrung uh, without strings on it. The, the, the truss rods in guitars now, look, 
This is dated information. Uh, in other words, the information that's anti what I'm saying is dated. There was a time where you definitely did not want to leave a string, a guitar without strings on it because again, it needs that tension on there. But the truss rods that are in guitars now, even inexpensive guitars, the dual action truss rods, they are very strong. Those necks are not gonna move. That, that neck is a maple neck with a very good truss rod in it. That neck can, can handle way more than what the string tension is gonna be. And it can handle way more than what the string, if you remove the strings off. The only thing I would say is time. You wouldn't want to do it for like a month or two. And, uh, but uh, that's the only thing I would caution you, right? I would stay away from a month or two on that. But if it's going to be a week or two, yeah, two weeks is totally safe. And you could probably go longer, but I'll just keep my answer to where I don't have to worry about you. <laughs> Sometimes when I give you guys answers, I don't want to think about it five days later going, why did I say that? That's probably not the right answer now that I think about it. Uh, I, I feel pretty confident two weeks and I, I won't lose any sleep giving you that advice. <laughs> All right. Uh, smart mamal mamal. <laughs> This has been used in the Gamma G50 so far, so good. Yeah, that was a great amp. That was a that was a flyer at, at, that I took. Uh, in other words, like somebody reached out, the company reached out and said, "Hey, would you check out these jam, uh, Gamma amps?" And um, they had packaged that deal so good with me. In other words, like they were going to send me both the G50 and the G25, and it was kind of like do whatever you want. And I was really excited because I was like, "Okay, okay, how am I going to do this?" What am I going to look at? And I looked at the amps and I really just for like, I like, I like both, but I go, I just want to really focus the video on the G25. I think everybody can l kind of look at that video and go, yeah, yeah, I get it. If I want the bigger one, it's just bigger. <laughs> it's the same features. It's a great idea. It's one of the, one of those ideas that when I looked at it, I go, it's just so smart. Um, super easy. Uh, you know, you plug a couple pedals into it. It sounds good. It's got a good Bluetooth, fantastic amps, super cheap super cheap for the, for the, for what they're doing. Very good. So. Uh, Sean Brooks says, Hey Phil, why does reverb shipping guide tell you to detune the strings, but every new guitar I buy comes shipped in tune. I did a video called 10. I don't know what it's called. I think it's five myths. Every guitar player believes 10 myths. Every guitar player believes, uh, there's a story behind that. As sometimes you guys know on the podcast, I have stories. This story is actually, uh, one of those stories. Like I'm so glad that Sean has now created a, an, a situation where I get to tell it because it's been, uh, you know, like on, on Seinfeld, he had Newman, right? His nemesis. I have a nemesis. Uh, believe it or not, I have this nemesis. My wife has the same nemesis. We both have the same nemesis. And here's what it is. So, uh, Sean, I did a video a couple years ago called like, you know, five myths guitar players believe, and it's got a million views. And, and the reason I think videos like that get legs and do well is because I, that video was six months of work. Like a little five, 10 minute video is not something I pulled out of my ass and said, here's some things I think people think are not true. Like that was hours and hours and hours of research, confirmation calls, um, using whatever clout I could figure out I even had or muster to get companies to talk to me. And in that video, I discussed the fact that exactly what Sean is saying. I got PRS on the record. I got Fender on the record. Uh, there's Gibson. There's, uh, um, I, I forgot, there was like five other companies to all basically tell me, yes, they ship guitars in tune. 
Now, should you ship your guitar in tune? I, I don't think you should have to or not. It doesn't matter. Ship it down tune, ship it in tune. It doesn't matter. But the argument for the myth was that you have to detune a guitar. You have to. And I said, well, that doesn't make any sense. Who ships more guitars than the actual manufacturers? Think about this. Every guitar you've ever shipped was shipped, <laughs> right? <laughs> Even before the, the nemesises, nemesis. I'm sorry, I'm reading some of the guys' comments. Um, so my point is, is exactly that, Sean, that you can obviously ship a guitar in tune, um, in that video, I detail, I even talked to the airline industry. I even talked to an airline pilot. <laughs> like I said, it's a very, so watch that video explains why you don't have to, or why you have to, it doesn't matter. But that information isn't my opinions. It was all this information that I pulled that was actual factual. And I got confirmation. And I still, to this day, anything that I've ever done on those videos, I have, I have physical confirmation from somebody backing up what I presented to you guys. Here's why this is funny. There's a FedEx store, uh, a FedEx store down the road from my house, and we have to take guitars there. Obviously, the company send me guitars, and I ship them back. And every time there's a guy there, and he always says to me or my wife, uh, what's in the guitar? And which I pisses me off, by the way, so it's just for the record. It pisses me off. I, I tell my wife all the time, I don't care. He shouldn't be able to ask me what's in my box. He should ask me if it's flammable, if it's, you know, it's combustible, which is the same thing, whatever. Like they should be able to ask me if it's dangerous or if it's this or, but who the hell, like what if I told her, I told, I just don't, I don't want to be crude, but I told my wife, I go, what if I just told him it was some obnoxiously horrible thing, <laughs> right? Like a sex toy or something. I go, what, what kind of face do you think they got to make then, right? Hey, it's my blow up doll. <laughs> I'm like, what, you know, but he always asks, but what he does, that drives me nuts is as soon as we say it's a guitar, he goes, did you detune it? And then this is what's, this has happened. It happened to my wife. It would never happen to me because uh, I, I, my, my wife is actually, she's very a matter of fact, but I have the, I have the shorter temper for sure. So what's funny was he, she, one time she took it to a, to the FedEx store and he's like, is it detuned? And she said, no, it's tuned up. And he goes, we can't take it. It's FedEx policy. So she comes home and she goes, we have to open the box and detune the guitar. And I said, why? Because as the guy who made the video explaining why you don't have to detune them to over a million views and as substantiated by a half a dozen of the biggest guitar companies in the world, <laughs> she says, the FedEx policy is they won't take a guitar unless you detune it. And so I took the guitar. This is what I did, just for the record. It's kind of funny. I took the guitar. She hand, I took it from her, and I said, watch this. And I put it in my truck, and I drove it down there. And the same guy walked in. I said, I got to ship this guitar. And he goes, is it detuned? And I said, yep. <laughs> uh, and, uh, and, of course, the guitar was fine. Uh, so the answer to your question is, uh, do I think you have to detune the guitar? You don't. Does it hurt to detune the guitar? No, that's really the better, bigger question is, does it hurt the guitar to detune it? No. Does it hurt the guitar to stay in tune? No. Obviously, um, you know, the things that are going to happen to the guitar are really not about the tuning. It's going to be how it gets hit, what kind of packaging it has. Um, that's really the bigger, the bigger thing. <laughs> so there you go. Uh, so he's my He's my, and so to this day, I still, every time I go in there, I just lie right to his face. I always kind of dream down, deep down. I'm like, oh, I hope, hope he watches my channel, but I don't think he does. He's definitely into guitars and things because he's always, he's got a big, he's just, I don't know. He's, <laughs> he's it's his, and it's his thing, man. And he, he's always there. Even when, no matter when we go, he's the guy there. And you're like, did you down tune it? Yep. <laughs> so. And he, but, he go, uh, but like I said, one day I'll do it. I'll tell, I'll do it for you guys. One day he'll ask me, he's like, what's in the box? And I'll be like, it's a sex toy. It's a, it's a blow up doll. I'll just, so. 
<sighs> Dougal Dog says, but Phil, it's policy. You know what's funny? I can't even find where it's policy, but it, may, it probably is. Who knows? Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, it's it's fun. Yeah, Brian says his FedEx has a policy too. They want to see how far they can throw a guitar. Yeah. So, all right. Uh, where are we at? Let's just see real quick. Double check. Double, double check. And... Hold on a second. Okay. Uh, Marcin, Marcin says, hey, Phil, I love the show. What made you get another RG565? Do you think it could become somewhat collectible in the future? No. You know, this is the, this is the, the line that I have to walk uh, for the YouTube channel in my personal life. So if you guys, it's funny that you caught that, Marcin. They, uh, so here's what he's referring to or what they're referring to. Um, is it behind me right now? Is it, do I have it in here? I, I do. Okay, it's out of, out of, slightly here. If I do this, I'm going to, oh, wrong way. Go here. He's talking about this guitar right here. That's the uh, Ibanez RG565. Uh, so if you guys saw, I did a video of an orange one. I bought that guitar for that video. That was a, it was a new guitar and it was kind of requested, uh, by you guys. Uh, I mean, kind of like you guys suggested all kinds of guitars. And I thought that was an interesting guitar. And so I bought the guitar and I did the review on that guitar. And, uh, you know, you have to make a decision, uh, when, when I'm done with, when I buy a guitar and I review it on the channel, I have to make a decision at the end of like, okay, do I want to personally buy this or, uh, you know, or do I want to turn it into the, the next guitar, which is important. And when I say personal bias, I mean, I have to take my personal money out uh, besides, you know, the patron money uh, and the other funds that I'm using from the income of this channel to keep this channel's momentum going. It's no different than any other business. It's no different than my store, right? People are like, oh, you have all these guitars in your store. And you're like, not really. These guitars, like when they sell, I have to buy another guitar. That's how this works. Just ever going. So same thing with the YouTube channel. It makes money and I take some of the money that it makes and I put it back and I invest it in the channel. It's why, why I buy a camera or a new microphone or SD cards or, you know, um, you know, or like I said, sometimes product to keep the channel momentum going because you know, otherwise I'd be dependent on 100% on just companies sending gear and that's, just not, it's not feasible for the way I do my videos. Um, so what happened with that guitar was, uh, I decided, I go, I really liked it, but it was just, I didn't like it that much. In other words, I didn't like it enough to, to make the decision that I'd have to out of pocket it now and go. So it sold, we sold it off like we do. And I, I forget whatever the next pro video was, was the next thing I, I did. And then over time I missed it. <laughs> so I thought about it. I thought about it. And, uh, and then they became harder to find, uh, cause it was, uh, towards the end of last year. And I came across this blue one, the blue green one instead of the orange one, which I, I like both. So it didn't matter to me, but it was the right weight. It was everything I wanted. And I bought that one. And so what's happening now is if you guys notice for years in the videos, uh, behind me in all kinds of videos, there's an Ibanez RG 550 in road flare red, that guitar. The reason you don't see it now is cause it's downstairs in the shop. It's getting set up and everything so I can sell it. I'll be selling it to pay for this RG565. So I didn't buy the RG565 as a, uh, as a investment. I didn't buy any of this stuff. I just bought it because, just like you, 
<laughs> you guys watch a video and you want a guitar. I made that video. I kind of wanted the guitar. I told myself I didn't need it. And it was just because I was in the moment and I flipped it to, to make the next video and I kind of regretted it. And that's what times you have to do. And that happens a lot of times in videos is, you know, you, you go, okay, because I, I can't keep every guitar. That's what you tell yourself. You're like, because it's true. I can't, can't just buy guitars and have 500 guitars and do the channel. It just doesn't, it doesn't feasibly make sense. So uh, there you go. Uh, Jeremy, thank you for the super chat. Based guitarist says, Hey, Phil, my Princeton is popping every time the cable plug moves in the input jack. This occurs even if the amp, even with the amp volume off familiar. Uh, well, it sounds like you got a loose wire or the plug itself is loose or something's our solder joints thing. I would take it apart. Uh, obviously, you know, you know, the, you know, maybe you don't know, you need to watch a video. So you make sure you know, cause I can, uh, uh, you need to make sure that it's unplugged, that you don't touch the capacitors because uh, you will have a bad day if you do that. And uh, you can pull it, up, pull it apart and look in there. That stuff, the, uh, the input jack on those amps, that's pretty straightforward. You'll see it when you look at it. It's not something highly technical. It's usually not something you, you know, that the average person can't fix. You just need to be safe when you're doing it. And uh, you can check to see that they're not loose, that they're not broken, because that's what I would look for is uh, cracked solder joints or something happening there. Or, like I said, somewhere it's touching. That would be what I guess is happening. It could also just be a tube and you think it's happening there. One thing I might suggest before you go through all the things of doing that, one thing that I've always done for years is easy. When you unplug the guitar plug out of the input jack on that amp, uh, while the amp's on, just plug and pull it out. What I want you to do is take the tip of the guitar cable and tap on the on the uh, washer or the nut of that. Uh, anybody could do this on any amp. When you unplug an amp, a guitar cable from an amp, a guitar amplifier, tap on the actual input jack itself. Just tap on it with the metal. If you can hear like a ringtone, like cling, some kind of sound or any kind of sound, you might have a microphonic tube or a bad tube. That's pretty straightforward. It's a pretty simple thing to do. You don't have to do the, t- the tube test where you tap on the tubes in the back. You can just do it from that. If it's, that could be the thing because tubes will do that too. And so one of those two things, I would do it in that order, obviously, because that one's really easy. That's two things I would uh, do. And like I said, be safe because it's hard when we're doing a podcast. I can't, you know, give you all the safety precautions. Just so, so please take the time to get the safety precautions. At least figure, at the very least, not only unplug it and make sure it's not hot, uh, learn where the capacitors are so you don't touch them. <laughs> okay. All right. Adam says, forget V-shapes. What do you think about the Stranger Things Beast Rich Warlock? Was that real? I thought that was like a fake thing. Uh, throw my $5 in this, this swing string tip jar. Um, I, I, there was a Beast Rich Warlock crackle called Stranger Things, but I thought, I couldn't remember. I came up in my Instagram feed. I saw it because I was looking at what Nathan was posting and stuff. And then it got fed into, And then I thought somebody posted like, I thought Beast Rich posted like our account got hacked and this isn't real. Or maybe it was the price. Something happened there. Did you guys notice that? Like they said it was $5.99 and Beast Rich is like, no, it's $8.99 and our account got hacked. So I couldn't, I couldn't tell if the price was the hack or the guitar itself was hacked. But so for those of you, that's what we're talking about. It was a red crackle Beast Rich. Uh, Mike says, going to Guitar Center here is a total waste of gas and time. Uh, well, okay, there's a lot of things now that are a waste of gas, but this is a mom and pop store here that has better inventory and comparable prices, if not better, and they care if you're satisfied. Well, I personally obviously would recommend the mom and pops over the Guitar Centers every time, so you know. I mean, it's uh, that's just my, my two cents, but... Not everybody has all the mom and pops available to them, especially in the idea that some of the mom and pops you have may 
uh, may not have, you know, there's sometimes they're just small little stores that just have some lessons and orchestra and a couple guitars. So <laughs> you guys are still talking about the FedEx thing. I just got back to the main screen. We guys are talking. It's funny. Oh, you know what I should talk about is, uh, I didn't have to talk cause we're going to be done soon. Uh, today I'm wearing a shirt. Let's show I'm wearing gear chasms. Look at that with Alan Barnes. Uh, his channel, he sent me a shirt. You could kind of see it, the whole video. I didn't know if you guys could see it or not. I'm, I don't see the same view angle you guys see. So thank you, Alan, for sending out the shirt. Uh, I'm going to, or I think my wife already did. Uh, either way, she's either sending you a shirt or um, or she's going to send you a shirt. And then I'm going to wear this shirt. Uh, so you guys know, when you guys send these out, I'm really mostly what I'm looking for is YouTube channels, uh, especially smaller than me, but any YouTube channel, of course. Um, and bands, you know, uh, trying to support, the idea is to wear this and talk about or support another channel. And more importantly, it's not just that I wear this on the podcast, because that's not always the case, because the way I cut the screen, it's not a big deal. But uh, like, if you notice in a lot of videos, I will put it in a video at some point. It will be in a video somewhere. Will that be the video that gets good views or no views? I have no control of that, but I do that. Uh, I do that. And of course, I wear the shirt too, to support uh, you know, a channel. Yeah, that's the whole idea, right? If you even get one subscriber out of it, uh, that's, it's worth its weight in gold. <laughs> Only because I'm sending you a shirt in exchange. So it's not like, um, you know, <laughs> I was going to say one, one shirt for one viewer. It's a good deal. No, no. It's just, uh, because like I said, it's, uh, it's, uh, I'll send you a shirt in exchange. All right. Ah, uh, Bart says Geargasms. Alan is his second favorite YouTuber. Now, here's what's funny, Alan. I just want to let you know if you ever watch this episode. I bet you Bart's on your channel going, Phil McKnight's my second favorite YouTuber. Busting your chops, Bart. I appreciate you. I just had to say it. Um, so, uh, and like I said, if you want to do this uh, with me, uh, it's simple. Uh, you you just send this shirt to my address. If you can put a message, I think Alan, what he did, uh, my understanding is uh, he emailed my wife. Uh, so that was smart because uh, he just emailed her directly and said, I sent the shirt. He should have it. And this is my shirt size and my shirt, which is, she was like, that was awesome. She came up to me and she's like, this guy's got his shit together. Excuse me. This is how my wife talks. And then <laughs> she says, because like he's, already, that's how I think, I think she already sent your shirt, Alan, because she was like, you know, uh, cause she told me that's how it happened. That's how, again, you guys, uh, some of you guys will email me and ask me like, how do I do it and stuff? It, it just, I'll ne I'll never find the moment in the day, which is what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to find that moment in the day where I'm either, my day is always like everybody else. It's either work or a family time. And then trying to find the five minutes for myself about, you know, not those two things. And so sometimes it's a little hard for me to go, okay, now I'm going to worry about shirt swapping and stuff. So if you send me a shirt though, I just, it's my personality. If you send me something, my, my instincts changed immediately from the priority of my mind of like, okay, before it was, I got to find time to orchestrate this thing for you versus now I, I can't, my personality, I can't owe you something. I got to get you your shirt. So I feel like we, we can cut, you know, conducted our business. <laughs> I'm not old, but <laughs> says your wife talks like a sailor. My wife uh, is, uh, I told you, she's a very matter of fact. <laughs> uh, 
she is not she's not the chatty person I am in in that way. She will tell you what she thinks and it will happen very quickly. <laughs> she suffers no fools, which is funny cuz I'm a fool. I'm the one I'm the one fool that gets her suffering. That's it. So <laughs> <laughs> that's it after me she can't take any more any anybody else <laughs> it's too much crap um all right um <laughs> all right i think i'm laughing too much now it's time to go all right i want to thank you guys for joining me this week as always it was great uh look for the video on uh, sunday or monday for the new uh deep dive video there's a bunch of other videos coming soon deep dive videos i i hope if you guys noticed i didn't have any videos this week uh, that's because I was actually in the works preparing for a, hopefully a launch of videos that will be good. That's how it works, I th- hope. <laughs> All right. On that note, thank you guys so much for hanging out with me. Until next Friday at the same time, I'll see you guys then. And as always, uh, thank you for your time and know your gear. <laughs>